0: Go ahead and make your way up here. I just thought I'd give a couple of opening uh, remarks. This morning, uh, we are going to, I guess, declare to you, which is what preaching is, is declaring. And um, as many of you know, we were able to slip away. If you didn't know, uh, we went to a network of related pastors conference in um, a place called Fair Hope, Alabama. I want you to know, Fairhope is not easy to find in Alabama, and uh, we finally got to Fair Hope and, and Fairhope isn't that big, and we drove around an hour trying to find this resort. Uh, that probably says something more about us than Fairhope, but, but but we didn't get in a fuss. That's right, God has done a work in our life. That's true. Um, amen. But went to this beautiful resort there on Mobile Bay. You could actually see across the bay in, off in the distance, Mobile. Just a beautiful, beautiful resort. And I was mentioning, I just exhorted those that were with us this morning in intercession, that uh, we went south in order to go to the Gulf, but we ended up going to the mountaintop. And, and God did some incredible, amazing, and I've been using the term over and over again, life-altering you know, the reason I'm using that phrase is because we've all heard so much the word life-changing, life-changing. You know, it was life-changing. And life-changing, you know, has, has sort of become our catchphrase for, ooh, you know, I got a buzz. And, you know, and then the buzz leaves and about 48 hours later you're back to normal. This was life-altering. And many of you have heard the story that I tell And have told through the years on numerous occasions, and I don't want you to testify to it, because some of you will remember it as soon as I tell it. If I asked you, you'd go, oh yeah, pastor, we remember it. But but back in 1986, a long time ago, we actually went to a pastor's conference in a place called Sandusky, Ohio. It was next to Lake Erie. And at that particular conference, uh, there was a person there that shared some insight. Now, we weren't filled with the Spirit technically at that particular pastor's uh, retreat, but you recall the story how the first night I went back to my room and I said, this guy, I don't even know if this guy's, uh, you know, saved or he's he, he's it's not of God. He might even be of the devil, you know, and that's kind of how I felt because he was teaching the things of the spirit. The second night I went back and Trace and I looked at each other and said, well, you do have to admit he's talking about stuff that's in the Bible. You know, and we kind of got to that location. And then finally, that third night or the last night we came away and, and, and we had to repent before the Lord in in order to say, Lord, this is you. This is you. And God began to work in us. In fact, He worked so phenomenally, and that was life altering too, that it got us kicked out of a denomination because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not against denominations or anything. It's just the one we were a part of just didn't appreciate sometimes the things of the Spirit. And so, but that was life changing, and it led us into so many other wonderful, good, edifying, miraculous things in our life that, that it would take too long to even share. And, and I've often said the Holy Spirit, that was one of the moments the Holy Spirit messed me up. But it was the best mess up I ever got in. Yeah. And, and so if you can recall that, then you can understand what I'm saying. As we drove home uh, Friday and I looked at Trace and I said, this is as significant in our lives, at least in my life, as that moment we shared in Sandusky, Ohio back in 1986. So... That can at least set the tone, I think, for understanding perhaps the depth of some of the things that God uh, was, was talking to us about. I uh, listened to a speaker as well as had fellowship with a lot of neat pastors and their wives, a man by the name of Jim Hockaday. Now, we're going we're gonna to see if we can't get old Jim to come visit us. Um, and, and he was just a, a wonderful man of God, literally rocked our world. And um, he just had revelation that we knew we knew, we really knew this stuff, taught it before, but it needed to be enlivened in us again. And we're going to share some things with you just by way of testimony. We're going to testify to those things which we have seen and heard. We want to bear witness to you, to those things that happened to us. And we want the splashing that we received to begin to splash on top of you, because I, I really don't believe we're going to share anything that some of you don't know. In fact, if you're not careful, what you will do is this. And I'm just, I'll give you, I promise I'll give you the mic, honey. <laughs> But, but, but listen to me. Some of you will go, oh, I know that. I know that. Yeah, what, he, what she's sharing, what he's sharing. I know that. And I want you to be careful at that moment. Because there was a moment there for me that I almost went into, oh, I know that. Yeah, I've heard that. I, I know that. And I would have missed a moment that God had for me. Some of you know a lot, but you're walking in little revelation. Some of you have information, but it hasn't been enlivened to the place of action. It hasn't been enlivened to the place where it does you any good. I know a lot. In fact, I just I'll be so bold as to say, probably if we sat down, I might know more than anybody in this room. But can I share this with you? What I know and what is active may be miles apart. And that's the gap that has to begin to close. And God began to close it. And I want him to begin to close it in all of us. And so we're going, I'm going to give uh, the mic to Trace, and she's going to share. I'm going to share one more thing before I give it to her. Right now, I am in a 40-day fast. I'm basically doing a Daniel fast, if you want to know what I'm up to. And uh, someone mentioned it to me this morning, and I've been noticing that myself, that the whole body of Christ seems to be fasting in 2008. There are a lot of people in a fast right now. If you haven't begun a fast, let me exhort you again. I'm not going to come check on you, but you've got time. You can still link up. There's, there's, there's really three or four significant time periods in the Bible with regards to fasting. There's three days, there's 10 days, there's 21 days, and there's 40 days. And I was listening the other night to some men of God's share about fasting, and they said when you're in a, particularly in a 40-day fast, they said there will be certain things that will begin to happen at those marks, at the 3-day mark, at the 10-day mark, at the 21-day mark, and then at the 40 mark. And I started to think about that, what has gone on in my life, because I'm a little beyond the 10 day. I haven't quite got to 21 days, but I am past 10 days. And I started to just recount some of the things that had happened, to see the hand of God. And the reason I'm sharing this is because I'm going to share in just a minute about getting God conscious again, about beginning to see his hand at work and not blowing things off and being prepared every day, every moment for a God interaction in your life. And we miss those moments. And so I thought to myself, well, what happened at the three-day mark? And, and remember last week, I was expecting five or six people to come down and say, well, we're going to link up with Legacy this Sunday. And my Lord, I started throwing out people that I already considered members out of everybody. That came. There were 42 folk that came down and said, we want to link up with you. I thought that was pretty remarkable. It, were, it amazed me anyway. That was at the three-day mark. At the 10-day mark, we were in the middle of this conference and this this incredible, life-changing, altering thing started to take place. And 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 it has dramatically influenced my life. That's three days, that's ten days. I haven't got to 21 days, but folks, I'm waiting to see what God does at day 21. And at day 40, all I know is this, that when Jesus went through his 40-day fast, the Bible says that he came out in the power of the Spirit. So, if you're fasting, and you've linked up with me in doing this, Why don't you think back at day 3 and day 10. You may not be able to see anything in particular. But at least you can begin to get your heart positioned. And your spiritual eyes positioned. To begin to believe God for day 21 and day 40. Amen. Let's say, let's anticipate him doing something good, something big. Trace had some incredible things happen. I said, I want you to come and just take some moments to testify. So if you're a guest today, this is a little bit different. Usually I'm long-winded and you get to hear me teach something and I have PowerPoint presentations and it's just a real uptown classy thing. I just want you to know it is one sharp deal. <laughs> but we're just going to go with the flow this morning. It it, it is time we broke out of normal. Church as usual. Business as usual. We need to get to some unusual business. You get ready. God's going to do something this morning like he's never done before. All right.
1: Before I get to what happened in Alabama, I got to tell you what happened before Alabama. Um, We were beginning the fast and on the how many, how, many, how many of you know when you fast, about day two and three, you got a headache like ain't nobody's business, okay? And about day two and three, my head was coming off, and I, has, I was very busy doing, doing things, getting ready to go, and, and doing things with Kaylin for school, and all different things. Now, I was having my devotional time in the morning like I always do, but I wasn't doing extra. I wasn't, as I was fasting the food, I wasn't getting deeper in the Word, And I began to have this terrible, not only headache, but just feeling of unworthiness. And you can't, you couldn't raise an aunt and just, you know, you aren't a good pastor's wife and you aren't a mess. And and all this began to happen. And actually last Sunday, I don't know if anybody else sensed it, but man, I was going through it up here. Okay. The, The enemy's voice was very loud in my head. And Monday was, whew, was a really rough day for me. And then Amazingly enough, when you ask the Holy Spirit, he talks to you and I finally stopped being so busy and I sat down and I said, Lord, what is going on? And he says, you know what happens, Tracy, when you fast, but you don't pour in extra, all you do is deprive yourself. God is not impressed. That I'm not eating any bread and that I'm not eating any meat and that I'm not eating any dairy. That doesn't impress God. But the devil, boy, that gives him a heyday. He's like, let me just go in there and mess with her. So I said, okay, Lord, I get it. I get it. I've got to pour in. So I don't know if any, if that's a word for anybody. Some of you may go in, I don't know if this is working. So I think I'll just quit. No. Do not quit. Do not give up. Pour in extra. So we were heading down the road, uh, on Wednesday morning and, um, the enemy was still kind of working on me. And, I, and we were listening to some, some tapes about strongholds and bitter root judgment and get, preparing my heart again for an encounter that's coming up. And the enemy just began to remind me of times in my life where I've gone through some real struggles. And some of you ladies know I won't go into all the details, but I've had a lot of issues throughout my life, in my teenage years, in ministry, in the last five years, people forsaken us and leaving us and, and you just, and, and, and it's like the, the enemy was saying, man, God let that happen to you. And God let that happen to you. And God let that happen to you. And I don't know if you can trust him. And I'm just sitting in the car listening to this tape. And my mind is just all this stuff's going over in my mind. Finally, I turned the tape off and I looked at him and I said, I've got to talk to you. And I just said what I just said to you. And he said, you know what? In this fast, the enemy is wanting you to lose your confidence in the Lord. And you know what? You can say, well, you must not be very spiritual. Well, Let me tell you something. <laughs> the other night on TBN on Tuesday night, Jensen Franklin, who is Clayton's pastor now, and Larry Stockstill, who was Tyler's pastor last year at Bethany World Prayer Center, and a man named Rob... Bob Rogers, who's the pastor of the Evangel World Prayer Center in Louisville, Kentucky, and Tommy Tenney were all on TBN. And, I, and I'm and i listening to them. I'm hearing them talk about the fast, talk about the fast. And then they said the exact same thing that Jensen said. Sometimes during this time, the enemy says, do you even know that you're called to preach? What are you doing? You ain't changing anybody's lives. Now, he's got a church of 8,000 people. So I'm just telling you. And Jesus... Do you think the devil said things to Jesus that weren't, that, that didn't, he didn't think would have any effect on him? He said, if you're the son of God, then do this. If you're the son of God, then do that. Okay. So don't, my first lesson to you is do not give up in this fast. Do not give up. So my word as I walked into that conference was, you know what? I will get my confidence back. Now there was never a, any doubt in my mind that I would serve him. And some of you are just like me. You would serve him till your death, even if you weren't confident. Okay, but the the point is he wants us to have confidence because what I'm going to get to and what he's going to get to this morning, if the enemy can get us to lack our confidence, then he has won. But we are not losing our confidence. Okay, so I walk into that into that uh, conference saying, Lord, I'm going to get my confidence back. Well, then the very first night. Now, you got to understand we've been to big conferences. We've been a part of pastors fellowships and, and we bless them. But many of you know that we have been praying, God give us a father. Give Kevin and Tracy Baird a father in the faith. Give us somebody who will spank our rear ends when we need it and who will cheer us on when we need it. And you saw Pastor Rod when he was here and he's an awesome man. But I'm just telling you, we got into that service that first night and there were only 80, maybe 80 85 86 pastors and their wives there. We're not talking thousands, we're not talking hundreds. But when we began to worship, every pastor in that room just began to sing all out. Some of them couldn't even sing. <laughs> they were making a joyful noise. But they were, the presence of the Lord was so real in that place. And you think, well, that's what the way it's supposed to be. Pastors are pastors. I'm telling you, we've been in a lot of groups when pastors are the worst worshipers ever. They don't lift their hands. They don't raise their hands. And then they wonder why God doesn't show up in their house. But I'm telling you, that this place that the God has sent us is the most amazing place. These are the most amazing men and women who love God, who are sold out to him. They prophesy. They're open to all of that. They're not saying, okay, you know, we want to grow a church of 5,000 and we all believe in the Holy Spirit, but let's just stick him over here in the back room. No, they're saying he's out front, center. So, so the very first night, I just went back to the room, and I was like, "Whoo! thank God we are here. Thank God we are here. Then that next morning, Jim Hockaday would get up and speak, but, but the, other, the other pastors would get up and speak as well, and there was anointing on all of them. And it was in, this, it was in the second night service during praise and worship. The Holy Spirit just fell on me. Okay, y'all were sitting there. It's, it's not some great, you know, you think, oh, it's, the lights were right and the atmosphere was right and all this stuff. We're sitting around round tables. We had just eaten a pretty lousy Cornish hen dinner that cost $65 and you're and we're all going, okay, where's the rest of it, okay? Um, for those of us on the fast, there wasn't really anything to eat. <laughs> but um, so we're just sitting around this table when we and they said, just push your chairs back and begin to worship. I mean, we're like, Two words into the first song, and the Holy Spirit just fell. I don't know what anybody else did, but He fell on me, and the Lord began to just reveal to me. Now, I, and I don't, I don't mean that lightly. I don't mean like, oh, I think I, I think I heard the voice of the Lord. I mean, it was like, boom, I heard the voice of the Lord say to me, and He took me back, and He said, Tracy, you had to go. You had to go from Indiana to Kansas to Ohio, to California, to Spartanburg, to James Island, to Legacy One, to Legacy Two. through uh, and, and, you know, and you know how your mind can go so quickly. You see all this so quickly. And all the hurts and all the wounds of all those places and all the moments of saying, God, where are you? And if you love me, why do you let this happen to me? He said, it was like when I sensed the presence and the worship and the outcry to God in that room. He said, I took you all that way to get you here. Because let me tell you, Tracy, I know you well enough to know that if y'all could have done it in the church of the Nazarene. And you could have been successful and you could have had the big church. You would have never sought the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then if you would have been successful and you would have gotten Evangel Cathedral, you would have never sought me. And then if you would have had success across the bridge and everything would have gone well the way you were doing it, you would have never cried out in hunger for God you would have served him you would have loved him you wouldn't have fallen into sin I'm not saying it's one or the other I'm saying we would have been mediocre spirit-filled Christians we would have said oh yeah we believe in all that but you know it's just not necessary it's just we can just put it over here and it's good and we all believe in oh do we believe in speaking to? absolutely absolutely do we believe in prophetic anointing Absolutely, absolutely but it's just so not necessary when God strips you of everything that means anything to you, you find out what's necessary in your life, and that is Him. That is Him. He is all that matters. So that day, that night, I got that revelation during praise and worship. <laughs> Pastor, Pastor, look over. He said, "I looked at you and I thought, what is happening? <laughs> when I, when I get a deliverance, okay, I'm just gonna say it. I got a deliverance. When I get a deliverance." It comes from here. Some of you may have seen me when Pastor Rob was here. I got a deliverance. And, and it's not, it's, okay, it's not pretty, okay? It's not pretty. I cry ugly, okay? I cry ugly. And and when it's coming from here, my stomach, Kaylin, Kaylin says, I look like I have an alien in my stomach. Because it's like my stomach is like, ur, ur. and I was bent over and I was crying out to God and it was coming from my stomach. And, and everybody else is just being, you know, they're worshiping, but they're just being normal. And then Jim Hockaday got up and spoke, and Kevin, I, I, won't, I won't even get into all that. But the the thing that he said was, "You occupy until I come. You occupy." And then if you look that scripture up in Luke eleven twenty, some version says, "Do business until I come." Well, what is the business of God? The business of God isn't being schmoozy. And trying to grow a church. In, in, in trying to be just cool enough, you know, and let Pastor and I wear the right clothes so that people, you know, will think we're cool. And then our church will grow. It is, his business was he healed the sick, he raised the dead. He broke all religious rules. But he had power and authority. And he taught his disciples to have power and authority. He didn't teach them how to play political games with people. And go into town and try to work with some of the businessmen and get them on your side first. And then we'll go start, start a church. That may be man's church growth method, God's church growth method. As you walk in there, you start healing people. And you start stirring up the religious crowd. And then people flock to the kingdom. That's doing business. And Jim Hockaday began to preach on that. And then he said, the anointing that I have, I am going to lay on you tonight. Whew. Well, he started on the other side of the room and I'm thinking, oh, poop. <laughs> By the time he gets over here, he won't have any left. And of course, and of course, you know how they start and they do start, you know, wild and mighty, you know, they're like prophesying over every person they come to. And he gets about halfway around the room and then he goes, now I probably won't prophesy over anybody else. And I'm thinking, I knew it. So, but I'm thinking, okay, 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 I'm still praying in the spirit. Praying. He comes about me. he's still like six tables back from us. Okay, well, he gets over to us. And he lays his hand on my head right here. <laughs> where even I see the hand of God. This is my sister and her husband right down here, Denise and Rodney Upton. I busted my head open when I was three years old. And let me tell you, (laughs) I got this big crack in my head right here where you can feel it. It's like it goes way down, comes back up. That's where the power of God shot through me, through that wound. You understand that? Through the wound of the world, the power of God shot through me, and this hand (laughs) is still on fire. Now... (laughs) And then he just went on. He didn't even say anything, didn't say anything, just laid hands on pastor, laid hands on me, and then just went on. And as I b- started feeling this burning in my hand, I was like, whoo, okay, that's pretty cool. Then I said, I said to the Lord, why is it my left hand? And why isn't it, why isn't it both my hands? You know, you just begin to think, you know, analyze. I was like, why isn't it my right hand? And why isn't it both my hands? And just that quick, the Holy Spirit said, because you are right-handed, right handed and if you did anything with this hand, you might think it's you. But I am so uncoordinated with my left hand, y'all. I can't, like, you know how people start pretending they're playing drums. This hand won't do anything, okay? I can't brush my hair with this hand, y'all. I mean, this is like, this is just like stupid hand, okay? It won't do anything other than it does have a pretty ring on it. There you go. Okay, but, but this finger and this thumb have been on fire, Ever since I left. And I said, Lord, why is it one finger? And in Luke 11, I believe 1120, somewhere in there, it says, by the finger of God, you will cast out demons in my name. It doesn't say by the hand of God. By the finger of God. And I'm believing for that. And I mean, we could stand up here and I could go forever and I won't. But I'm just telling this has changed us just the fact, if it weren't even for this part, but if it was just for the first part, that, that you, you know that God orders your steps. I say it. I teach my leaders that. Y'all, ladies, you go out and you tell them that the steps of the righteous are ordered and that God's in control and he knows everything. And, and I believe it and I have always believed it. But when you get the revelation that every hard thing you've gone through, every disappointment, every betrayal that has happened to you was exactly what needed to happen. So that you would be so desperate that you would cry out to him. Jim Hockett, I'll end with this. He said, if I could give a gift to every person in this room tonight, I would not give you the anointing. I would give you hunger. Because hunger is the only thing that's going to change you. If God blesses you and you have prosperity and you have everything you need, you will never need Him so much that you are willing to do anything to get it. So that's what I pray for this church. I pray that you would be hungry. Because we have no limitations. The only limitations we have are those we put on ourselves. We have been given all authority to tread on scorpions and serpents and to cast out demons and to heal the sick and raise the dead. And he says, greater works than these shall you do. And we keep going, no, well, that, was like, that was you back there, not you up here, not me. No, You. You, as I look out here, you Karen Levitt, you Karen Levitt, you Paula Freeman. Not just the preachers, not even just the cell leaders. You, anybody that has Christ, in, you know, we, we sit there and we and we talk about, oh yes, he's given us resurrection power, bull loney. We don't believe that. If we well, we do now. <laughs> But if we had, we would be living, conquering, overcoming lives instead of letting the devil beat the hang out of us all the time. And I'm talking to myself as well. Resurrection power. I've always read that scripture and thought, wow, that sounds really good. But what does that look like? Well, this is what it looks like now. So watch out. Okay. Are you ready?
0: Well, I wanted to make sure that Trace had time to testify. That was good. Some of you are here this morning, whether it be the first time or whether it be a multitude of times or whether you've traveled with us through these last 10 years, that, that's a good word. You came through all of that to be here today. You came through all of that to be here at this, at this place, at this service, at this time today. I want to read some scripture. How many of you know that you really don't have a message unless you read a little scripture with it? So we want to be official. First Corinthians. Everybody find First Corinthians chapter 2. And I want to read to you, the, the, this this passage, this isn't something we heard taught. In fact, I'm, I'm, I'm hesitating to even teach all of that. We'll probably get to it in the weeks ahead eventually. But I just want to share things just fresh out of my well that uh, God touched me and in. And just the same way you heard the story from Trace this morning, um, I can tell you at the same time, as, as he was praying for people, the buzz, I call it the buzz came back. And if you 've never experienced the buzz, I don 't know how God moves or manifests or demonstrates himself to you. How many of you can say, somehow some way in your life, you 've known the presence of God was in the vicinity. God was in the room. You, you, you know that. you nowhere knew it. I mean, I'm not saying your mind knew it because if I said, do you believe that God is everywhere, anywhere, and and he's with you, I'm sure you'd raise your hand to that question too. But there are moments all of us know that, I mean, God's here. I mean, there are those moments. And for some of you, you sense something internally. You, you, You sense pressure. You sense heat. You sense something buzzing. You know, Tracy mentioned something buzzing and and so there's all sorts of physical manifestations that can happen when the presence of God comes. And it's not always like that. Dear God, if we lived that way all the time, we'd be so heightened that uh Lord, I don't know what it would be. But but because we're in this shell of a human being and because we function so much in the world, those moments sometimes come and go and they're fleeting. I want to live in that realm a whole lot more though. That's the realm of power. That's the realm of the miraculous. That's the realm where God moves. That's the realm where where God acts. And and all I can say is is that I'm, I'm pursuing that for my life. I want you to pursue that too. Wouldn't it be an incredible thing if there was a body of believers in the Charleston area that just learned how to access the presence of God? They learned how to act in God by faith. They learned what it meant to release that which is immeasurable, unlimited, innumerable inside of them to a needy, hurting world. How many of you know that after a while, once you get over the colored lights and the flashing lights and the black lights, and you get over the neat technology and the video, and you get over all the perfection with the music and the recording and the sound, even the illustrated sermons, all of which have their place, all of which I have done, and all of which I will continue to do, how many of you know you? You can still walk out just as bound just as sick just as hurting just as wounded i'm telling you the world is about up to here with all the mtv stuff we throw at them thinking somehow if we look like them they'll think we have something i'm convinced they need god they need an encounter with god I I need that. I've seen about everything that can be seen in my life. I've walked with the Lord since February the 12th, 1978. I was born again. And I've seen it, participated in it, but I'm telling you the thing that has altered my life are those moments I've interacted with Him. And i just soon interact with Him at a mall than have every bell and whistle imaginable. It won't fill you. It won't satisfy you. It won't release you. It won't. I've driven the nicest cars. I've lived in great houses. I like all of those things, but it's never done anything for me. But every time I've interacted with God, I say to myself, I want more of that. That's the only thing that begins to touch the ache and the need and the desire and the satisfaction This is what Paul said. It's my favorite passage. We're just testifying, okay? I'm not preaching and teaching. I'm just testifying. This is one of my favorite passages. If you want to know what one of Pastor's favorite passages are, I'm fixing to read it to you. In 2 Corinthians, excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. I don't know, guys, if you can have that back there, those first five verses. It says this And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. Isn't that amazing? Paul said that. He said, when I came to you, I didn't come with my smarts. I didn't come with all of my understanding and all of my natural reasoning and logic and knowledge. He said, I didn't come that way to you. He says in verse 2, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now, I'm just going to mention three quick things out of these five verses to share with you just some things that have been just enlivened in me again. And the first one is right here in this second verse For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Here's the first thing that God began to speak to me about. He said it is time, it is time as best as you know how 24-7 to once again move on your toes again and begin to develop God consciousness. How many of you know we have God consciousness for about two hours once a week on Sunday morning? Maybe, maybe, maybe. Now listen to me. I'm not, I'm not crawling on your case. I'm not getting on you. But when I say maybe to that, if we're not whispering to each other, talking to each other, planning where we're going to go to lunch, thinking about what the work week's like ahead of us, and all the things that we do, even when we come to gather in worship, Eve, that's why I say maybe, maybe for two hours we have God consciousness, but we've got to develop God consciousness where we began to understand that that Jesus Christ, if you're in this room this morning and you would declare that you are saved and you are born again, if you would say to me this morning, that is me, I have truly repented of my sins, I have forsaken them. And I've come to the cross and I have embraced Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that God gave for me in order that I don't have to die. And I received Him. So I exchanged my unrighteousness for His righteousness. So now when He looks at me, He looks at me as if I'm Him. Are you with me? This is Christianity 101. I lay upon him all my sin. He lays upon me all his righteousness to where now I can come. The Bible says boldly before the throne of grace, bringing my petitions, because it's as if Jesus himself is standing before the father himself. Now, hear me, because folks get this all screwed up and they'll miss it. They'll say, pastor said we're all God. Well, I I am going to say this. We are like God. Because we are made in his image we we are very much like god and you know we're sons and daughters of god just like i'm like my dad and you're like your dad and your mom i'm like my god now i'm not god are you with me come live with me a week you'll find that out quickly no he's not god but we are like him and the reason being is because i've embraced his sacrifice so jesus now lives in me christ has become this is what paul said christ in you the hope of glory that's the bible so now inside of me, and if you're born again and you're saved, Christ in you, the hope of glory, right now inside of you, hear me. This, is, this ought to boggle your mind. It ought to blow you away, this thought that I'm fixing to give you. That inside of you, everything you need to be successful is there. Not because of you, but because of him. Everything you need, you have no lack. There is nothing beyond your capability. There is nothing beyond you. Nothing that can overshadow you. Nothing that can defeat you because he is in you. And if Christ is everything and can do anything and he lives in you, then that means all you need is right there. And you cannot fail. You can't fail. Isn't that good news? You can't fail. In fact, to me, it becomes almost mind boggling when you consider that how our natural bodies and our minds could even begin to limit that. But God has determined that he's just not going to do his thing through you until you put yourself in alignment with what he's asked of you. And that partially means we've got to learn how to keep the vessels clean. We've got to learn to keep our confessions straight. We've got to begin to function according to his precepts. But at that moment, if we believe, all things become possible. All things are possible, the Bible says, to him who believes. You cannot fail. We cannot fail. Everything we need. So right now, inside of me, Right now, is everything that is necessary for me to be healed, for me to be whole, for me to be well, for me to be set free, for me to be delivered, for me to prosper. Everything I need is there, not because of me, because of Him. But here's our problem. We, we lack God consciousness. We, we We live in a world that is bombarding us all the time, causing us to lose our God consciousness. And we've got to get that consciousness back. We've got to understand that every day you and I are walking along, there are moments God's trying to get our attention. There are moments God's trying to reach into our situation. There are moments he's trying to do something. And, and we'll tell stories in the weeks ahead on some of these things. But I'm telling you that God's trying to break through, but we're so busy or we're embarrassed or we're ashamed or we'll wonder what people think or we'll consume with our life that we lose our God consciousness and therefore we lose our miracle moments. And even in church, we lack such consciousness of God, consciousness of what's inside of us. When, when when, the Holy Spirit inspired things like, greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Do you think that was just kind of a cute, trite little saying that, come on now, buck up. Be encouraged. You, you You'll just get by. You'll just get by. You'll barely make it. Just by the skin of your teeth. Do you think that's what he meant by that? I don't believe that. I believe that word means this. That you will prevail and you will overcome and you will conquer. But we don't believe that. And belief is where it all starts. God is moved by faith. it is He's moved by belief. And we've got to believe right now. If it be true that God is alive inside of us. We've got to believe right now. That there is everything possible in him that can happen through me we got to start believing that. And I told the intercessors this morning as they were coming into this room, I said, we've been praying wrong. Forgive me. Part of it's my fault. I take responsibility. But we've been praying wrong. And we need to repent from how we've been praying. It's not that we weren't good-motived. Don't misunderstand me. We had the best of intentions, the best of motives. I mean, you know, a lot of people are sincere, but they're sincerely wrong. I meet people like that all the time. They they think they're saved because they are sincere. Well, no, you're just sincerely wrong. And so we need to be sincerely right. So I'll say that's great that you were sincere, but let's get sincerely right. Because we've been praying this, at least I had, you probably, you probably be on this, but this is what I was doing. I was saying, oh God, come. Oh God, please show up, do something, do miracles, please. Can you, would you please? Could you? Would you? Lord, what do we need to do? Is there something more? Do we need to work at this more? Do we need to work more? Put more energy into it. Sing longer. Preach shorter. Amen. Um I mean, what do we need to do? And that's all wrong. It's a wrong, wrong, wrong. We're not asking God to come. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. and there, and, and And that's good, but... The rest of the passage is this. And what you ask, you ask amiss. And it's not that we're not asking, but we ask amiss. And it's not God, would you, could you, please, can you come? God is here. If if you would declare right now, I'm born again and I'm saved. Are there at least two or three people like that today in in, in the house? All right, there are two, three of you. Praise God, maybe more than that. All right, praise God. I'm just teasing with you. He said, if two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am. He's here. It's not God, can you send revival? Revival's right here. Do you understand that? Revival's here. Look at this. Revival. Revival, man. It's in you too. Do you understand? Healing's in you. Wholeness is in you. Deliverance is in you. There is no lack in you. Jesus lives in me. But our problem is we've got to start developing more God consciousness. And we need to develop that consciousness. Like Paul says here, things will begin to happen. Let me go on. Verse 3. He says, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were, in, were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. Listen to this. In other words, he said, I just didn't persuade you because because what I said seemed reasonable. He said, I didn't persuade you just because what I said sort of made sense to your mind. I'm not saying it was necessarily against your mind, but he said, that's not how I came. He said, I didn't come just because I knew the Greek language. I didn't come just because I could parse verbs right. I didn't come just because I've read all the books and more books than you've read. And he said, I didn't come that way. He said, but I came in the demonstration of the spirit and of power, and this is this is and you, some of you that have been with me for years, you've heard me teach this, and if I've taught it, it must mean I know it. But you know, in my Bible, that's a capital S. I don't know how that looks in your Bible. Is yours a capital S? Well, you know, in the original language, they didn't capitalize like that. That was a translator that did that. And 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 the Greek word pneuma, which is spirit was not capitalized there and so there are times in the bible it is difficult to recognize when he's talking about the holy spirit and when he's talking about your spirit are you with me your spirit would be like a little s the holy spirit of course would be the capital s you're with me but sometimes translators try to help us out and they go ahead and capitalize things because that's what they feel like needs to happen you know, even proper names weren't capitalized in the original Greek. You know, you, if it were Kevin, you would capitalize the K. But if it were written in here somehow, it wouldn't be a capital letter. That's just how they did it. It had different grammar rules. And, and so that was a translator that did that for us because in the translator's mind, he said that he was demonstrating the Holy Spirit. But in that, while that's true, that's not not true, it is true but you need to understand what he was saying. He was not just saying that the Holy Spirit was going to come somehow to be demonstrated, but he was saying that there is something in me. I am body, soul, and spirit. God interacts in my spirit. That spirit portion of who I am, I am a triune being just like God is triune. I embody what you see. I am soul, which is my mind, my will, and my emotions. And I'm also, my inner man is my spirit. His spirit, it says in Romans 8, 16, bears witness with my spirit that we are the children of God. So that's what God interacts with is my spirit. But this is what he said. He said, when I came to you, I didn't come with my logic. I didn't come to you with my my degrees. I didn't come to you with my 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 flash. But I came to you demonstrating my inner man demonstration of the spirit. What was in me? God is in me. He's in you. And, and because he's in you, that that activity of god in the inner man can be demonstrated or it can be activated or it can be loosed through you and to others you know what we demonstrate at times we demonstrate our flesh and we demonstrate our soul a lot how many of you know we demonstrate our soul a lot i mean we throw tantrums and you know, we, we want to get our way and we get mad or we get angry or whatever emotion there is. Or the other aspect of it is we, we demonstrate our reason and our logic. And that's what we demonstrate. That's the demonstration of the soul. But it's the demonstration of the inner man. And you've got to believe that that's at work in you. Believe you can do what Jesus did. Jesus understood what it is. Do you understand that when Jesus was with us here on earth, this is this is another thing we're going to break. Is that he came as a man. Amen. We'll look at what Jesus did. And we'll say to ourselves. Well of course Jesus can do that. Because he's Jesus. He's the son of God. He ought to be able to do that. And we'll go back into our Christology. And we'll say. Well you know he was fully God. And fully man. And you know. Na-na-na-na-na. You need to understand. That when Jesus came. He was born as a man. He was the son of man. The Bible tells us. He operated as a man. He had to in order to demonstrate to us the way life was supposed to work. And he began, it's interesting that there was a silent period of time for about 30 years. We don't hear much or know much about him. And I don't know that he wasn't doing anything, but it's certainly not recorded. But I'm willing to at least conceive that through that time period he's growing and he's becoming strong in his his inner man. And then when he comes on the scene, it's interesting how we begin to see miracles begin to take place in his Life. And I'll just share with you one thing that came into my mind. Have you ever thought about this? How the first person Jesus ever raised from the dead, he raised them very quickly after they had died. The second person that he raised from the dead, he uh, raised them just after a day or so. And then the a third person, you remember Lazarus, you remember how long it took Lazarus? How four days? Remember that? And what you begin to see is you begin to see someone who's beginning to grow in confidence. In his inner man. He's beginning to grow in confidence. Of the glory that rests in him. I liked what Jim Hockaday said. He said you know why he waited four days. He said the reason he waited four days. Because he knew if he waited four days. And could raise Lazarus from the dead. That he'd have no problem raising himself up in three days. The son of man demonstrated to us. Dominion. He he had dominion over the wind and the air and the sea he had dominion over death he had dominion over sickness and disease but it wasn't just because he was this unique individual and he was given these specialized powers but he came demonstrating to us how life was to be lived and this is what he said if you said i don't know that i buy that then you've got trouble understanding the bible because the bible says that jesus looked at his disciples and he said this the glory which the father has given me i now give you and then he said, the works that I do, you shall do, and greater works than these, because I go to the Father. I'm just reading the Bible. The problem is we've lost God consciousness again. And we've got to believe, and you've got to believe. That's why the Bible says, all things are possible to him who what? Believes. What? Believes. 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 So there's this demonstration, and then finally he says, I didn't come to you with all of this, but I demonstrated this inner man and of power. He said that your faith, your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You know the greatest disservice, and I guess this is my time for confession. My greatest disservice, it just came back to me. You know, I've done my best, I, I, I know I've done my best to, to preach to you faithfully, to teach you precept faithfully. To do my best to be an adherent to the word of God in its totality. To declare to you a comprehensive Christianity. To not pick and choose what looks good and then leave the rest. And we've done our best to interpret it rightly and well and to walk in it. But the greatest disservice I think I've done, which will now cease beginning today, is this. That at times I believe our faith has rested on the wisdom of man rather than on the power of God. And today is the day I declare that both you and our world deserves to see the power of God. They deserve it because they have no other hope besides that. They had, they had, there's no other answer besides that. We've got nothing else to offer them besides that. We're going to need to see the power of God. Faith rests on the power of God. I believe the world is looking for something real. And we must believe we can do what Jesus did. We must believe we can do what Paul did. Do you realize these people had such God consciousness and, and, and had such revelation as to Christ in them? Think about this for just a second. That they would actually put their hands on cloth, send them out, and that anointing would transfer at that moment and people would get healed. Do you understand they had such, they had such a mastery of command with regards to their inner man and how they could walk in the Spirit? that they could just be walking down the road and their shadow would be, would be prevailing and people would drag their sick, the scripture says, out into the streets lest their shadow touch them. And the moment even the shadow of their being touched them, they were healed. And we're doing or called to do greater works than these. Now that'll blow your mind. Listen, folks, if we don't, we won't. And if we decide we're going to start believing what that says, we can. We cannot fail. And the question, the first question we start with is simply this, just out of these testimonies, is do you believe you can? You've got to begin to believe you can. You've got to begin to watch for those God moments. I I heard a pastor just as we were interacting tell the story of him standing in line at this garage uh, garage car garage yeah this uh car wash excuse me you're right car wash and as he was waiting there the man in front of him in the line was going oh man I messed up my back my back hurts I've seen you know I've seen the doctors I've seen a chiropractor I've seen everybody I know to see and man I'm just in pain all the time and and, and uh, you know, it just hurts and I don't know what I'm going to do. And then he said these words. The man at the cash register said these words. He said, somebody's going to have to do something. And the pastor just stood up and he testified and he said, you know, and I stood there and I heard that. And I let him walk away. Because I, I, I didn't have either the faith or the God consciousness at that moment to say, will you let me try? You, you remember the cripple at the temple gate? Beautiful. And he was begging for alms. And then he begged from Peter and John. And you know what Peter and John looked at him and said? He said, silver and gold have I none. But what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And you know what we do? We do we, this is what we're doing. We're going, I hope so. Somewhere along the line, we've got to get to, I know so. See, because here's our problem. Our problem is, I hope so, because if it doesn't happen, I've got to think of a way to help God out and kind of make an excuse for the moment. I've got to have some kind of answer for it. I've got, to, I've, I've got to somehow cover my tracks. I am done covering my tracks. I, I, you know, I'm just to the place now where silver and gold have I none, but what I have I'm going to give. I'm, I'm, it is time we sort of let the pendulum swing a little bit another way for at least a season. I understand there are reasons that people don't get healed or there are reasons people don't see what they want to see. I understand, I get it. I'm a pastor. I, I've buried people. I've done funerals. I know people die. I got it. But there comes a moment when you can't let those moments steal from the truth of Scripture which says Christ is in us, the hope of glory. That I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you believe that? You see, this is really a pivotal moment because we quote it, we say it, we cheer about it, and then we walk out the door. I'll never forget Kierkegaard's story where, and you've heard me tell this story, where where there was this duck church and all the ducks came into church that Sunday morning and the duck preacher came up and began to preach to the ducks. And he said, you ducks can fly. And all the ducks said, quack, quack, amen. You ducks were designed and born to soar. And all the duck congregation said, quack, 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 quack. God has called us to arise and to soar to new heights, and the whole dug congregation was in euphoria, going quack, 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 quack. Quack, 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 quack. Cheering, hollering. And then when service was over, they all waddled out the door. Are you getting it? You can heal the sick. You can set the captive free. You have no lack within you. All things are possible. And before you all stand up and go quack, 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 I want to get the waddle out of you. Because I believe it's our hour to soar. Do you believe you can? Here's the definition of faith. Let me give you, write this down. This is my new definition of faith. Betting your life, betting your life on the unseen realities of God. That's faith. Because you start moving this direction and I'll guarantee you, you're going to be dangling, hanging out there. And you know what the power of the Spirit is? I'm convinced that this is the definition of the power of the Spirit. Write this one down too. The power of the Spirit definition is this a consciousness of what you've got inside of you that's the power of the spirit a consciousness of what you've got inside of you god is waiting for a people listen to me he's waiting for a people not so much to go out and meet needs jesus didn't walk around meeting needs he walked around magnifying the father are you with me if he was just about meeting needs he he could have had ad infinitum meeting needs i've always said it's not the need is never the issue Need is not God does not move because you have a need. He moves because he sees faith. If God moved because there was need, how many of you know in Central America, God be moving? In, in Africa, God be moving? I mean, I'm just telling you, need does not move the heart of God. Faith moves the heart of God. That's what God has linked himself to. It is not about helping people. You're, that almost sounds like heresy, doesn't it? But listen to me. I'm not out to just help people. I'm out to magnify God. When they brought the sick man to Jesus and they looked at him and said, here's the guy that's sick. Whose fault is it? Was it him or his parents? I mean, somebody's got to be at fault here because the guy's sick. So, so why is this sickness happening? Can you help him? And it was interesting what Jesus said. Jesus said this. He said, this man isn't sick. Because someone's at fault. He said, this sickness was brought about in order to glorify God. Do you understand when the person that has the hurting back in the grocery line that calls out to you and says, somebody's got to do something, you're not there in order to help him. You're there to magnify God. Are you hearing me? Can I tell you, I'm twisting your brain around right now because mine had to get twisted just a little bit. Are you with me? We're missing those moments. And, and and it's not your fault, it's my fault because you've not seen as many of those moments even in the house of God as you've needed to. Because I can't call you to go out there and do something when, when we don't see it that much here. That's fixing to change. Because you see, it was never meant to stay in the house of God. It was meant to go out there, just like on the day of Pentecost. Pentecost didn't happen in the upper room, it happened on the street. That's where Pentecost happened. But the, but the problem has been is that you, you, you've got to be built up in your faith to where when you see it in corporate settings, you can begin to believe it in those individual settings. And I'm telling you, you're going to go to your office and you're going to go to, to school and you're going to go to all grocery stores and hardware stores and you're going to be going all over town. And, and you're not going to just be going to, to do your business, but all of a sudden God's going to bring you moments. And someone's going to say just something. The other day on the phone, there was a woman Tracy was talking to at a telephone company. And all of a sudden, the lady on the other end said this. She said, are you having a good day? And Tracy said, well, yes, I am having a good day. Thank you. How about yours? And the lady on the other end of the phone said, well, you know, I'm really not having a very good day. And bless Tracy. And and let me tell you, and that's her story. I could give you a hundred stories of mine of standing in line somewhere where there was a moment like that. Where you just are so busy, you got to get on with your day. I'm just, I can't stop for this. And we just lose it. How many of you know that probably was a God moment? How many God moments have we missed? And, And we're waiting for something to drop and fall on us in order to make us do it? Nope, it is there. All things are possible to him that believe. If you would have tapped the dude at the car wash and just said, well, if you don't mind, can I pray for you? And you don't have to. You can just say, Jesus... Silver and gold have I none. But what I have, I give. Be healed. And that's probably all it would have taken at that moment. Are you with me? Last thing I'm going to share and then I'm done. Is it okay just to do this for a few minutes? I hope so. I know it's not the same. You didn't get your PowerPoint presentation. I know. Real quick, I'm going to share one thing. In John's Gospel, chapter four, how many of you remember? How many of you remember? Excuse me, John, chapter three, Luke two. God, I'm getting there. Hard, Luke. No, John two. Ha! There you go. Thank you, Lord. John two. John chapter two. We see the first miracle of Jesus. Y'all remember the first miracle of Jesus? He shows up at the wedding at Cana of Galilee. Come on, now zero in. I'm, I'm stopping. I'm, I'm done. Once I share this real quick thing out of John, I'm, it's done. It's over. John chapter 2, Jesus shows up at a wedding in order to celebrate. Now, that's why he was there. They were invited to this wedding, so they're there going to a wedding. Imagine this in your mind. He's going to a wedding in order to celebrate. And it says that they ran out of wine. And the mother of Jesus runs up to him and says they have no wine. Now, think about that. Just let's stop, pause, time out for just a moment. I don't know if... Mary had a position at this wedding or not, but she's sort of acting like the wedding coordinator, is she not, at this particular moment? She sees that there's this lack at the wedding, and they have no wine. I mean, we're running out of stuff to drink. There's more guests than we're available, and we're running out of this stuff. And she looks at Jesus, and, she's, and she says, Jesus, we've run out of wine. Now, if it were me, I would say, well, I, you know, I'm not paying for this shindig. I'm not, I mean, that's not my fault, that there's no No stuff to drink here. I mean, that's just not my fault. But Jesus kind of understood what she was doing. And he said to her, woman. How many of you would get away with calling your mom woman? Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? Now listen to what he's saying. What does your concern have to do with me? And he says this. He says, my hour has not yet come. I'm going to translate this. You don't have to know the Greek. What he's saying is, I'm not doing anything about this. This isn't my time. You're asking me to do something when I don't know that it's the time to do it yet or not. So you you understand what's going on. It's mom and son, and they're having this discussion. She's wanting him to do something about it, and he's saying, listen, man, this is not the time. And, of course, Mary, you know, she's raised the boy up now for 30 years. She's probably looking at him saying, listen, I've had 30 years with you. It is time. You know, it is time And this is what she does. It's just, just forgive me, you know, it's just, you can just imagine this household interacting here. And mom doesn't even hear what he says. He says, woman, the hour has not come yet. It's not time. And what does she do? She doesn't say, okay, you're Lord. That's not what she does. She turns around and looks at the other guys, the servants, and says this. Yeah, basically, he's going to do it. So whatever he says to you, do it. So Jesus goes, <laughs> now get the picture. He's already said it's not time. This isn't the right moment. This isn't the hour. I don't know whether it was. I, you see, we always over-spiritualize everything. Because we're, we're at least for me, I, I initially read that thinking that maybe he was saying, God has not called me to do this at this moment at this wedding. It's just not time to do it. You know what I think it was? I just think he was being a man at that moment. And he's just saying, hey, this wasn't the hour I had anticipated. This wasn't the moment I had envisioned. But she looks at him and says, now is the time. So a mom is pressing a son to do what she would want him to do. And so it says this. It says that he called for water pots. He said, draw some out. And when they took it, they began to see that he had changed literally the water into wine. And in verse 11, it says this, This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum, he, his mother, his brothers, and his disciples, and they did not stay there many days. Now listen to me. What happened was there was somebody at a moment that had their need, that it was declared, and he, ready or not, it was looked upon him to move at that particular moment and say, Okay, and he acted. He acted on what he knew was in him. Are you hearing me? I I, I mean, we've got to learn to act on what we know is inside of us. We've got to understand who we are in him. I'm an ambassador, the Bible says, which means I am as if God himself were on this earth. That's an ambassador. So I may not look like Jesus to you, but you know what? I really am. And you are too. In fact, when we used to say you're the only Jesus some people will ever see, that is so true. The problem is we always, we always made that in context of ethics and servanthood and, and you know helping and being benevolent. I'm telling you, yes, you're the only Jesus some people are going to see. And that's also meaning the power of God that's in you. You cannot fail if you believe. And I just came away from Alabama. Can anything good come out of Alabama? I'm here to tell you, yes, it can. Amen. Let's stand, will you? This is what I want to do right now in the few minutes we have left. I want you to put in the... Um, the uh, Terry McCollum. Yeah, put in that Terry McCollum, the green CD back there, and and just play that softly behind me for just a few moments. We're going to take just a few moments. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing right now. Jimmy, in Jesus' name, I release healing into your body right now. Healing is coming into your body to restore you. In Jesus' name, to restore the years right now. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that right now there is an anointing to do this. Lord, we don't have to wonder, hope, wish. Could it be? Yes. Yes. You heal, you mend, you raise up, you restore. You manifest your glory. And Lord, we release that in this man right now in Jesus' name to restore his body. To take away the effects of the years. Lord, to cause strength to well up inside of him again in the name of Jesus. Lord, to cause him, Lord, to run and not be weary, to walk and not faint. Lord, it is, it is not only possible, it is happening even now, Lord, as we speak in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Put your hands up right now. Just begin to thank God as your hands are in the air. I want you to begin to thank God for the manifestation of His power and His anointing that's in you. He's given everyone who's saved, who's born again, an anointing. Begin to thank Him right now and, and bless Him. Don't ask for it. Just acknowledge it. It's there. It's there. It's happening. It's stirring. It's starting. Lord, we stir up right now that anointing in the house in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I was telling the intercessors, just because you pour chocolate in a glass of milk doesn't mean you've got chocolate milk. What you've got is you've got chocolate at the bottom of your glass. You've got to stir the glass up in order to get the chocolate milk. There's been an anointing dropped in you and just because it's been dropped in you doesn't necessarily mean it's active. Sometimes it has to be stirred up. So stir it right now in the name of Jesus. Just say, I stir my inner man in the name of Jesus. Lord, we stir ourselves as unto you right now in the name of Jesus. You can pray in understanding. You can pray in the spirit. And that begins to stir the things of the Lord up. Hey, don't weird out on me right now. The only reason this seems funny in some people is that you're operating right now in your natural mind. You're operating in your rationalities. Just for a second, just call time out to that stuff. Call time out to it and just allow God to bring you into that dimension. Allow him to begin to give you mastery of the spirit in the name of Jesus. Allow him to bring God consciousness to you right now and what it is he's put inside of you in Jesus name. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for this young man right now. You're catapulting him, Lord. You're catapulting Zach right now, Lord, into the things of the Spirit. You're you're heightening the, the anointing that you put on his life to do and to be. And, Lord, we release that in him right now. That, Lord, all those faculties that, that, are, that, are, that are in him by you right now are being loosed, loosed, into activity in jesus name in jesus name he'll have witty ideas lord you're going to give him lord just new songs and new substance in the name of jesus you're going to cause just miracles to begin to happen in him in the name of jesus lord let it begin to take place right now thank you lord come on everything is possible to him who believes is that not right is that not right thank you lord thank you lord hallelujah lord right now i pray for doyle right now in the name of jesus lord i just loosen and, and stir lord just freshness and newness in him in the name of jesus and lord even as i spoke I, I i i know i know by your spirit lord that he was quickened and thought of those moments of interaction and that lord you're going to give him authority in a special way in a new way lord in that arena that you have placed him in Hallelujah. And that you're going to meet need in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And that, Lord, there's things that that are still not yet done, things that are still dangling and hanging out there. Lord, we declare those things coming right now to be done, even this week, in the name of Jesus. Jesus, now, now, in you, now, in you, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, right now. Lord, there's an anointing, a manifestation of an anointing on Denise right here. Lord, to begin to see what she's never seen and do what she's never done lord i pray right now that you would allow a special anointing for a mom to come up and i loosen her a new power that will come that lord as she hugs her kids and loves her children and and as as she just grabs and just hugs them lord that there'll be a release of anointing that will set the captive free And Lord, that will break chains and generational issues. And Lord, that will just cause a a newness and a freshness and a breeze to come. It is in you. It is in you. It is in you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, this is real. This is real. Say it looks emotional to me. Then you don't have ears to hear and eyes to see. This isn't emotional. This is just confidence to begin to know what God can do he can do that he has a whole generation that he wants to do this in guys let me tell you, you live all out for God some of you let me just say, some of you have watched you've watched Chris Angel and Mind Freak some of you have even seen that and you've watched him levitate let me tell you, that the saddest thing is a man who's connected to demon spirits has more mastery over the spirit realm than we do jesus was the first who walked on water let me tell you jesus knows what this is all about and, and all that does when i hear those stories and those sorts of things all that does to me is say that there's a place in god that will make that look like the bush league what is there to levitating over a building whoop de doo whoop de doo but what would it be to see somebody's arm grow into a socket what would it be to see somebody's eyes open what would that be what would that be like and to know that could happen to you. What would it be like some, some kid that came to school and all of a sudden he's looking at his cast and he's saying, wow, I mean, this thing hurts. It itches. I just wish I didn't have to wear it. And all of a sudden it's one of your God moments where something rises up in you as a new generation that says, I know this may sound strange, but would you at least let me pray for you? And all you'd have to do is say, I don't have much, but what I have, I can give you. You don't have to levitate over a school. You just begin to fix some bones and and begin to see the power of God happen. And let me tell you something, that'll rock a school in the name of Jesus. It'll happen, man. There's a generation. Do you understand? You're in charge of a generation that's got to do this. They have the opportunity at their age to gain such mastery in this area of their inner man and of God consciousness that they will be what Paul said in Romans, that all creation groans. All of creation, all the world is groaning right now saying, who will help us Who will set us free? Who has the answer? Who has the solution? All of creation, Paul said, groans for the manifestation of the sons of God. They are waiting out there for something more than just come, get your technology fixed at our place. They're waiting for somebody that has the goods. How about it? Is that you? I'm, I'm hollering now. Amen. Yes? Yeah. Sarah?
1: Come here. For the Lord would say, my daughter, that I have called you out of darkness and into light. And I have called you, and the word upon you, Sarah, is destiny. I have called you to destiny. Sarah, you don't know enough to know it's wrong. All you know is that God saved you and that your life has been changed. Now, daughter, go forth in Jesus' name and speak what you have seen. Speak what has happened in your life. You don't have to know everything perfectly. You don't have to know every verse, but you have power in these hands. I give you the anointing that was given to me just a few days ago. I give you that anointing to go out into that school and to go into your home. And you don't have to preach it, honey. Just lay on your hands and they will change in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name there is destiny on you, Sarah. Amen. Amen.
0: There is. Do you understand when there's anointing, guys? You just you just go up to somebody and just rub their locker. I believe that if God had let anointing loose in a in a in a hanky or an apron, why would he loose it in a locker? You know, God already prophesied, the Spirit of the Lord already prophesied to us a couple years ago. There would be the strange acts of the prophetic. That sounds strange to you, good. Jesus spit in the ground, he picked up the mud, he slopped it in someone's eye, and he said, take an eye right there. Could you handle that? Could you handle that, really? I mean, strange things. It's strange to the natural mind, but it's absolutely in order according to the spirit. And that's what this world has to see. It has to trip their natural circuits in order to get to the things of the spirit. Listen to me. This is what we're going to do right now. I don't want you coming down it. But if you're sick in body right now, just don't think about it. Come real quick. I'm going to pray two times here right now. But if you're sick in body, come right now. And I want you to stand up, make your line. If the line's not big enough, I want them to go down the aisle. I don't want a second line. I just want you standing right here, right now. If there's sickness in your body, we're going we're gonna to heal this right now in the name of Jesus. It's time to get this stuff healed. Now, today, it's time. Isn't it, Michael? You know this stuff, man. You know it. I bet you your inner man is like going crazy. He's going crazy right now. I'm telling you, now is your day. Today is your day. Ed, just line them up. Can you guys just kind of make a circle and just just kind of line? I know you'll be looking at a wall or something, but that way I don't have to go to the second line. Just do that for me. Come on now, let your inner man believe. All things are possible right now. God's going to fix it right now. I know there have just been things that have lingered, and every time the seasons change. I I know that's one. It may be others as well. But God's going to fix that right now. Larry, he's going to fix that. All things are possible to him that believes. This is the morning where we're going to fix it right now. And can I just say this? Let me say this. Guys, I need that music just turning. Listen to me. This isn't about whether or not you're worthy. Guess what? Ain't none of us worthy here. None of us are worthy. Zero. You haven't merited it. You don't deserve it. Let's just get it out of the way. You don't deserve what you're fixing to get. But I've got good news for all of you here this morning. You have hit the jackpot. You have got your lottery ticket with the right numbers on it today is your day this is your moment and I'm going to come by you and as soon as I lay hands on you virtue is going to be released what I have is going to come into you at that particular moment don't you wait though for a feeling don't you wait for that feeling you just say I got it I got it right now because we're exercising dominion we're exercising dominion over all things right now come on now you can work with me but I tell you what, even if you can't, I believe God's going to be gracious and do it anyway. In the name of Jesus. You ready? How far down am I going? I'm going to start down on this end. Come on now. Hallelujah. You ready? God's going to break. He's going to change your life right now in the name of Jesus. Right now. In Jesus' name. Come on now. Just Iris, just, just, get like this for just a moment. Just. I receive, Lord. I receive, I receive. Father, in the name of Jesus, in this man, Lord, set him free right now. Set him free in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, heal this man. Heal him right now in Jesus' name. This woman, heal her in Jesus' name. Now, heal in the name of Jesus. Heal this woman right now in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Heal right now. Let that anointing flow. Right now. Anointing begin to flow in the name of Jesus. Anointing to change. Different. Release in Jesus' name. Now. 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 Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we loose anointing to heal. Healing right now. Come on now. Healing right now in Jesus' name. And work it in her right now in Jesus' name. Healing in you in Jesus' name. Now. Loose. Loose in the name of Jesus. Be healed. Be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed right now in the name of Jesus. Be healed right now in Jesus' name. Healing in you right now. In you right now. For the Lord says, Son, I've taken you from here and there and over yonder. And I have brought you to this point. And the Lord says, Just even as the servant of the Lord, the woman of God, began to testify and rose in you over all your issues and all your circumstances that you have walked through, but the Lord says, know this, son. I was with you, and I brought you to this place, and I brought you to this point, And I am loosing in you your hope. I am loosing in you your possibilities. I am loosing in you a new season and a new day. And it shall happen right now, for I am closing the door to the past, says the Lord. I am shutting it down, and it is now being locked, says the Lord. And I am releasing your future right now. And your future shall be different, says the Lord. Your future shall be great. And many, many, says the Lord, even those who would be close, many will come and say, what is this thing that the Lord has done in you? And you will say, it is the Lord, and it is in me, and and, and you will have the words, declares the Spirit of God, to be able to share, and you will make a dramatic difference in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.